I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I'm thankful for what God is doing. He's doing great and mighty things. And this past Sunday morning and evening, God truly blessed us in a wonderful way. I was so pleased to see a record number of people Sunday night at 4 o'clock in the Civic Center parking lot, some of which I had never met before, but they came from far and wide, and we had a time. It was uh, a greater number, perhaps, than we've had for a long time. And then I'm excited because this coming Sunday we get to do it again Sunday morning for our online service. There are lots of people who are following these services from out of state, in state. And by the way, thank you for being with us tonight. My pastor friends who are on the program with us tonight, thank you so very much. We're happy that you're on board with us tonight. Hallelujah. Don't forget May 31st, we're going to have a tremendous rally at the Civic Center at 6 p.m. And we're expecting to fill that parking lot like it's never been filled. That'll take some doing, but I believe God's going to help us to do it. And it's going to be exciting as we gather together to pray for America. Praise God. I don't know if it was by accident or by divine intent that when you say you're American, it ends with, I can. And I'm thankful that we can do all things through Christ. Tonight I have a lesson. If you're expecting a fiery sermon tonight, might not get that. But I have a good lesson from the Word of God that the Lord's been dealing with my heart about, and I want to teach it tonight for a few moments. I won't be very long, but I'm going to the book of Proverbs, chapter 22 and verse 6. And thank you to all the folks who are helping us do this service tonight. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old... He will not depart from it. God bless you as I begin to teach on this lesson, godly families in an ungodly world. Godly families in an ungodly world. I pray that wherever you may be, that now you would not be distracted. Look at your device and just listen with both ears and I'll be very quick, but I feel like I have a word from the Lord. So you may be seated wherever you may be, and here we are. We live in a challenging environment, and perhaps the greatest challenge that we face today is how to maintain a godly family in an ungodly world. In praying and preparing for this Bible lesson, my attention was drawn to both the godly and the good and the not-so-good examples found in the Word of God. As I looked through the Word of God, I found the good, the bad, and the ugly. And they're all recorded in the Bible for us to profit by. So this lesson tonight is my intention at least 
that this lesson will benefit parents, grandparents, children, teenagers, and young adults. Obviously, it would be a long lesson if I tried to go into much depth with all those different categories, but I will give you just a little bit tonight. It is so important that I believe that we should stop what we're doing and stop right here and ask God to open our hearts and our minds before we go further into the study. Would you bow in prayer with me right now? Lord, open up our hearts and minds to your word, O oh God. Touch every mom, every grandmother, every dad, every grandfather, every son, daughter, and grandchild. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, help us now, and I give you praise in Jesus' name. I realize that what I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes is absolutely imperative that we get it, and that we comprehend it, and that we take action now. The problem with parenting is sometimes we learn the lesson, but by the time we've learned it, the kids are out of the house. So tonight, what I have to say is for you, whether you be a parent, a grandparent, or a child, or a young adult, immediate action is required. Train up comes from a Hebrew word, konek, konek. That is the word that is translated train up in the verse that we read, train up a child in the way he should go. The English word for konek is discipline. Can you believe that? So it says discipline a child in the way he should go. Discipline, discipline a child is not ignoring him until he finally gets so badly on your nerves that you react with an angry outburst of profanity. Or disciplining a child is not abusive name-calling or derogatory remarks made or yelling and screaming or telling the child mean and hurtful things. That is not what the word kanak means. To discipline means to train, to obey rules to train them to follow the biblical code of behavior, to train them to obey rules. Rewarding good behavior and giving measured consequences for disobedience is an inescapable part of being a good parent. It's not a contest to see who the most popular parent is. It's not a race to see if you and your child can be best friends. That can happen once they become adults, but while they're children, that is not the goal. The goal is train up a child in the way he should go so that when he gets old, he will not depart from it. And I don't know if you, I would think that everybody that's alive would agree with this statement, but there's been and continues to be a, an outrageous assault on discipline in America. And sadly, it's taken its toll on our entire nation. Parents training and disciplining their children in love is one of the greatest antidotes against unwanted pregnancies, against abortions, against overflowing prisons and broken relationships. The answer is found in Christian training and disciplining the children. Parents, what you do from here now, don't let the devil start beating you over the head and saying, oh, yeah, you really blew it. Well, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I will say this. Adam had a perfect parent, and he still blew it. So don't take all the blame 
If you're a parent listening tonight, let the devil jump on your back. That's not the purpose why God would lay this upon my heart. But from now, from this point on, we want to do what we definitely can do to help our children to grow up to be well-adjusted, happy, and productive adults. Don't throw up your hands and say, oh my God, they have a mind of their own. Let them choose their own way. When you do that, you have revoked your authority, you've abdicated your responsibility, and you have pretty much ensured that that child will not do well. It's a dereliction of duty, and you won't like the results. So the opposite of that is train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Several years ago, I was sitting on a commercial airliner and uh, in my assigned seat, and I began to converse with the lady sitting next to me, and uh, she told me that she was a retired school teacher in the public school system. So as we were talking, I, I asked her, I said, uh, how was discipline in your classroom? I thought she was going to have a heart attack. And I was going to have to call for CPR because she straightened up, her facial color changed, and she said, that was the reason I retired. There was no discipline in my classroom. There is little or no discipline in many classes today, and, and here's why. You, maybe you've heard this before, but teachers, you see, are afraid of the principal. Because today, many times, the principal doesn't back the teacher. The principal is afraid of the district superintendent who will think that he is incapable of doing his job right, and he might recommend him to be let go. So the district superintendent is afraid of, excuse me, the principal is afraid of the district superintendent. The district superintendent is afraid of the school board because if somebody gets upset on the school board, they're going to recommend that the district superintendent be let go. And the school board is afraid of the parent because the parents can come to the school board meeting and cause quite a scene. The parents now, they are afraid of their children. They're afraid that if they tell them this is what you need to do, that the child will revolt. And they're afraid that the child will make life very miserable for them at home. And so the parent is afraid of the child. And the child is not afraid of anybody. And so you see the dilemma that's going on in our society today. Sadly, in many cases, we have the tale Wagging the dog. Rules are good. If you don't think so, just think about the carnage if there were no rules of the road. And people could drive any direction on any highway at any time, at any speed, in any direction. The death toll, you might imagine, would be horrific. Rules at home, rules at church, rules at school, rules for orderly conduct, 
rules for how we are to live, rules for what is appropriate and what is not. Those are all good, and it teaches our kids how to be good citizens. And they should be exampled and given with love and firmness, and this trains your child in the way he should go. I have to say, it takes a lot of courage to raise a godly family in an ungodly world. It takes a lot of backbone. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of love. Now, one of the good examples in the Bible is Abraham. Abraham was a godly parent. Abraham, remember, was called the friend of God. And let me show you what the Bible says is one of the major reasons that Abraham enjoyed such a relationship with God. It's found in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? Watch this, verse 19. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord, to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Notice what drew God to Abraham. One of the things was that God testified, he will command his children and they shall keep the way of the Lord. God applauded Abraham because God knew that Abraham would command his children. Now, compare that great example with Lot, okay? Lot, in Lot's day, the Bible says that in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. Lot was so engaged in making a living and building a business that he lost the fight for his children before he even knew there was a fight. He lost the fight for his kids before he realized that there was a battle going on for his kids. He was so distracted. And don't get me wrong, the Bible calls Lot just, and it calls him a righteous man. But you can be a just and a righteous person and be painfully oblivious to what is going on in your own family. And so on that last night in Sodom, the angels looked at Lot, and they asked this question. Hey, Lot, hast thou here any besides son-in-law, thy sons, thy daughters, whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. Lot jumps up, just imagine with me, the chair goes over backwards. His face turns white. He jumps up, and in the middle of the night, he runs out of the house screaming. He goes down to the place where his married kids are, and he's rapping on the door. And the Bible says uh, that he went, and he seemed one as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. In other words, in modern English, they thought he was joking. Lot has spent all of his time building his business, 
being a good man, a just man. He had never taken time to explain to them that what the people were doing in Sodom and Gomorrah was wrong. He had never been able or taken the time to pass on his faith. And so it was that on that last night, he runs to go do the job, but at that point, it was too late. And listen to what the Bible says that Jesus said. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot. Here we are again. We're back at that same old attitude of society that kids have their own mind and you have to let them choose what they want to do. And if you don't, they're going to cause you trouble or they're going to run away or, or they're going to do something even worse. And, and you're just a, a person who gives them money and the keys to the car. In Luke 17, 30, Jesus said, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. People, hear me tonight. I don't say this to, to alarm anybody, but I, I, I think we're a lot closer to the coming of the Lord than what anybody even realizes. I, I just wish that we could all wake up and realize that this could be, this literally could be the night that Jesus comes. Now, if you think that Jesus could come tonight, that changes your whole agenda. That changes what's important and what's not important. If you think the Lord's not going to come for 10 more years, there might be some things that are pretty high on your agenda. But if you think that the Lord could come today, you know what the number one thing is going to be? You want to be saved and you want your loved ones saved. And you want everybody that you know saved. And that's all that's important. Nothing else matters. Fooey. We don't care little rules or little things that we're required to do or disciplines uh, that we ask our children to do. That's not the point. The point is we're trying to train them up in the way they should go so that when they go, get old, they will not depart from it. We're living in an ungodly world and we're trying to teach our children to be godly. Whew. How many remember a priest in the Bible named Eli. Eli was a very important man in his community. He was the man of God. He was a man who held a high office. And uh, he was a man that, that uh, was responsible to a lot of people. But here's what a lot of people don't know about Eli. He was a dad who knew his sons were doing wrong while they were still living in his house and he did nothing to correct them. Here's what the Bible says. In 1 Samuel, Samuel 2 and 12, now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. That's not a good thing. They knew not the Lord. And so God sent a prophet to Eli to warn him that he was honoring his sons above God. I'm not dreaming this up. This is in the word. And God then spoke to a little boy named Samuel and told him about the same problem. And God's word said in 1 Samuel 3 and 12, In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. 
Eli's sin was not that he went out and did wrong. It was that his children were doing wrong and he refused to restrain them. And God said, your house is coming to an end. See, that's on the negative side. On the positive side, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. See, what we talk about is part of the training that we're training our kids. He said, well, you got these kids or grandkids in the house. Talk to them about God when they're sitting in your house. And, and when you're going for your walk and you're going down the rail trail or you're going down someplace and you have a little walk with the kids, uh, it's a good idea to bring up the subject of God and talk about how good God is. And, and just before you lay that child down, when you push that little hair back from her eyes and, and you kiss her on the forehead, it would be a good thing for you to talk about God to that child uh, just before she goes to sleep. And when she gets up or he gets gets up in the morning, it's a good thing to walk over and say something about the Lord to that child. What are you doing? You're training up a child in the way he should go so that when he gets old, he will not depart from it. Amen. See, one of the most important things or methods of teaching is example. You teach some by what you say. You teach more by what you do. You teach most by what you are. May God help us to example to our children. If a parent is always pushing the limits, it's a given. Their child is going to push the limits. If dad and mom are, are not subjection to the authority that's over them, then it's a given. Their children will not be in subjection to the authority that's over them. I, I've shared this before. I'm sharing it again. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. She whipped her boy for lying, and her cheeks were flaming red. And of course, there's no denying there was truth in what she said. That a liar is always hated. But the little fellow knew that his mother often stated many things that were untrue. Dad caught the youngster cheating. And he sent him up to bed, and it's useless now repeating all the bitter things he said. He talked of honor loudly as a lesson to be learned, and he forgot he'd boasted proudly of the cunning tricks he'd turned. He heard the youngster swearing, and he punished him again. He had no boy as daring as to utter words profane, yet the youngster could have told him, poor misguided little elf, that it seemed unfair to scold him when he often cursed himself. All in vain is splendid preaching and the noble things we say. All our talk is wasted teaching if, if we do not lead the way. We can never, by reviewing all the sermons on the shelves, keep the younger hands from doing what we often do ourselves. Example is so, so important. I, I know that my 98-year-old mother is watching me right now. And I'm trying not to break down. But I'm thankful for an old-fashioned mother who did not allow fears that she might not be my best friend if she said no. Or fears that I might run away 
if she told me no. It was not a democracy in our home. It was a, a benevolent dictatorship. Now the tides turn, Mom. I'm taking care of you. But when I was a kid, she said, get in the car. She didn't say, honey, would you rather stay home and watch Gunsmoke or go to church? You can forget that. I would not be standing in this pulpit tonight if mom had said, it's multiple choice. You can choose this, this, or this. Well, what kid's going to choose to go to church if he can go out and shoot baskets with his buddies? Her answer was, get in the car. Mom, get in the car. She was five foot two. I was taller than her. I got in the car. I went to church. Sometimes I might not have had a good attitude, but I went to church. And she taught me, she said, whatever the rules at church... It's the same rules at home. There was never a time that I can ever remember that I would go home and mom would be talking about Pastor Lowry or Pastor Springer. She would never voice anything negative about the leadership she taught me to respect and to love the people of God. And let me tell you something else. Back in the old days, I don't recommend this, but back in the old days in public school, <clears throat> if you didn't do what you're supposed to, sometimes you could get SWATs. How many of you ever got SWATs in school? Oh. <clears throat> well, I only remember getting SWATs one time. It was in a study hall. The basketball coach, Coach Bundy, was my study hall teacher. And because the school was crowded, we had a study hall up in a balcony in uh, the school auditorium. And there was some light switches on the wall going up to the balcony and kids would shut the light out when they was walking up or walking out. And Coach Bundy said, the next person who does that will get swats. Well, the next day, I'm coming walking up the stair, and the, and the light switch is about, there's a landing halfway up the stairs, and there's a light switch. And there were some very wicked girls that were standing at the top. And they were leaning their head over, and they're saying, Rick, coach is not up here. Shut the light out. And me wanting to be light. I reached over to the light switch, and I went boom, boom, just like that, just as quick as that. And I ran up the stairs, and when I came around the corner, Coach Bundy was standing there with his arms folded with an evil grin on his face. He had let those girls set me up. He said, you go down in the hall and wait for me. I went down the hall, <clears throat> and I waited for him. He got out this paddle. And he told me to bend over <laughs> and touch my ankles. I don't, I don't think I could even do that now, Brother Chris. So I bent over and touched my ankles, <clears throat> and he came with a full swing. He hit me <clears throat> so hard with that paddle that my whole backside went 
instantly numb. I could not feel anything after that. And he swatted me twice. That was it. And sent me upstairs. And it was a big joke. They all laughed. But when I got home, <clears throat> I did not tell my mom. I did not go home and say, Dad, that coach set me up. I was a smart boy. I knew that if I told my dad I got swats at school, the next thing he would say was, you're going to get two more now from me. There was no time when my parents would back me against authority. The only time that could happen is if somebody was truly abusive and then they would have stepped in. But usually what would go on would be, they told me, if you get swats at school, you're getting swats at home. Now, if you think Grandma Stoops is abusive, you can talk to her about it. But what she was telling me was, and what she was teaching me was, is that I was to respect authority. I'm thankful for a godly wife who has always done her best to example and to instruct our children what is good and what is not, what is apostolic and what is not. My wife... <clears throat> has example to our kids what a Holy Ghost-filled apostolic lady does. And I'm thankful for her. It's hard to train a child in a way that parents don't go themselves. My kids will always remember <clears throat> their mother who always had this statement, truth is not the best policy. It is the only policy. They were told that many, many times. <clears throat> Honesty is not the best policy. Honesty is the only policy. Ruth, that wonderful godly woman to whom the book of, uh, for whom the book of Ruth is named, was a young adult. She had been married to Naomi's son who had suddenly died. And Ruth, as a young adult lady, said to Naomi, the mother figure in her life. Listen, she said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. And I'm saying that because this was a young married woman who had suffered the loss of her husband. And she says to her adopted mother, she says, where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried, and the Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And Ruth's willingness to follow the instructions of Naomi resulted in her becoming the wife of wealthy Boaz and in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I think that's amazing. I think a sign of maturity is accountability. It's also a sign of great blessings. When a person can make themselves accountable, you can just put it down. That person is going to be blessed. They're going to have a blessed ending. Their life is not going to end on a bad note. When a person is accountable to the authority that God has placed in their life, you just mark it down. They're going to have a good ending. It's going to be great. God's going to work things out for them. It's a sign of blessing and a sign of spiritual maturity. Now, I'm almost done, so don't give up on me. Just think. About the time you think your problems are all behind you, 
you get to be a grandparent. Just when you think you got your kids all raised, you're all done with that, then you become a grandparent. And I read something in the Word of God that goes like this. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. So the crown of old men, the Bible says, is their grandchildren. I want to say this to grandparents. Don't underestimate your influence. Grandparents, you can have a huge influence upon your grandchildren. I've got grandchildren that are going to become preachers. I've got grandchildren that are going to be successful in different fields. And you can too. You have an amazing ability to influence your grandchildren. My wife has a sign somewhere in our house that says... uh, be patient, wait, uh, your children spoiled while you wait. You know, we, we love grandkids, don't we? Everybody's a grandparent, I'll say amen whether I can hear you or not. But we have a chance to make a great influence upon our grandchildren. Never forget, uh, I've prayed with just about every one of my grandchildren when they got the Holy Ghost. I don't know if there's any of them that got it without me being there. At least I was part of the scene. Wasn't the only one, but I was one of them praying when the kids got the Holy Ghost. And one of them was uh, my oldest grandson, Donovan. And one night on a Saturday night, many years ago, we were kneeling right here at this altar, right over there, right there. And I was praying, and Donovan was pretty small, and he was kneeling beside me, and I put my arm around his shoulder, and I said, Donovan, one of these days... Grumpy's going to pray for you, and you're going to get the Holy Ghost when you're ready. And Donovan said, I'm ready right now, Grumpy. <laughs> he shocked me. I looked at him, and I said, all right. And we started praying and worshiping God. In just a few minutes, his hands was up in the air, and there was a glow upon his face, and he was talking in other tongues as a spirit of God gave the utterance, and he got a beautiful experience with God, and it ain't over till it's over. Hallelujah. I believe that God helping him, and he's going to do fine with the help of God. But as soon as he got done, wiped his eyes, I said, how that feel, Donovan? He said, Grampy, that was better than taking a jump on my dirt bike. And you know what? We have a beautiful opportunity in these last few days before Jesus comes. We have a beautiful opportunity to stand up and shine, exert influence on our grandkids, on our children. Young adults, you have a great opportunity to follow the leadership that God has placed in your life like Ruth and let God bless you. He'll bless you immeasurably. Praise God. I I know that to be a biblical fact. And let me just say this. While the devil may be telling you, yeah, but it's too late for you because your kids are grown. Let me tell you something. If God would give me this message, there must be hope. 
Because never does God give a preacher a message when it's just too late anyway. It's just a waste of time. God doesn't do that. So everybody, under the sound of my voice, I want you to come to your feet right now. And I want you to say, God, I'm still believing you for my children. I'm still believing you for my grandchildren. I'm still believing you, Lord God, that you're going to do great things. And, and young people that are listening, I want you to say, God... I know you're going to do great and mighty things in my life, and I know that you're going to use me in a mighty way, and I believe, oh God, that you're here to do it. Now, everybody that would believe with me, lift your voices and your hands. My Father, in the mighty name of Jesus right now, we pray for our children and for our grandchildren, for the young adults, for the little ones, oh God. We pray for those, Lord God, who are in bad situations. We pray for those, Lord, who may not be in the ark of safety right now. But Father, we know that you wouldn't give us this message if you weren't planning on saving our children. Now in the mighty name of Jesus, let salvation come to our kids, oh God, and to our grandkids. You devil of disappointment. You devil of discouragement. You devil of deception. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we claim the salvation of our children. We claim the salvation of our teenagers. We claim the salvation of our grown children in the name of Jesus the Christ, the living God, the mighty God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I will praise thee, O Lord. I will praise thee, O Lord. I will praise thee, O Lord. Come on, somebody. You need to praise God. Somebody needs to start praising God. Let me ask you something. What are you going to do when your child walks in and says, I'm giving my heart to Jesus. What are you going to do? I want you to do that right now. Whatever you would do when your child says, Mom, I'm all done with sin. Dad, I'm all done with sin. I want to live for God. What would you do? Why don't you just try it out on me right now? Let me see. What would you do if your children were to come to the ark of safety? How about your mother? How about your brother or your sister? How about your cousin and your aunt and your uncle? Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, it shall come to pass, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Hallelujah. I'm glad to tell you that no matter what mistakes we've made, right now we've got the present in front of us. Jesus hasn't come yet. The rapture hasn't taken place yet. We still got a great opportunity to pray and to persuade. We got a great opportunity to believe and have faith. We don't have time to sit back and be discouraged and worry about mistakes we've made in the past. Devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. God is on our side and he will will help us. Well, I feel the anointing of God in here right now. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The great revival that God is sending is going to include your kids. The great revival that God is sending is going to include your grandkids. The great revival that God is sending is going to include the people that you love. Hallelujah. But let's zero in on them. How can we zero in on these people? I'll tell you how. The first thing is prayer. Prayer changes everything. 
Hallelujah. One dear lady many years ago, her son came up to the bedroom. She was an invalid mother. And he, she came, he came up to her bedroom and uh, he said, Mom, I'm going out. She said, I know where you're going. She was a prayerful woman and God revealed it to her. He said, she said, you're going to a wild party. He just tucked his head. She said, but son, and as she was talking, she, she pulled the covers back and those old knees hit the floor. She said, I will be on my knees on this floor praying for you until you come home safely tonight. That boy went out and he tried to do his wild party. You know what? All he could see in his mind was mama on her old knees kneeling beside that bed. And he knew it was hurting her. He knew her, her knees were arthritic and he knew it was not easy for her. Next morning, God be my witness. That boy was sobbing and repenting and praying. His brother was out in one of the sheds and he was sobbing and repenting and praying. Oh, the power of prayer. Oh, the power of prayer. Sometimes we get more done talking to God about them than we do talking to them about God. But God will let us do both. Hallelujah. I'm going to walk over to the keyboard and let's sing a hymn before we go out tonight. Before you turn off your device, I'll be glad when we can be back in the house of God together. I'm believing God that in the month of June, we're going to be able to have meetings. We might have to have several meetings and smaller numbers in the meetings, but we can do multiple meetings if that's what it takes. And I'm willing to do it. How about you? He's able. He's able, I know, he's able, hey, I know my Lord is able to carry me through. He's able, he's able, I know, he's able, hey, I know my Lord is able to carry me through. Cause he healed the broken hearted And he set the captive free He made the lame to walk again He caused the blind to see And don't you know that he's able He's able I know he's able Hey, I know my Lord is able to carry me through I was preaching in Nova Scotia several years ago and the Cole family were telling me that one of the older brothers had been backslidden for several years. But brother and sister Cole just kept praying. And one day the door opened and that young man walked in. He threw his hat down. He said, your prodigal's home. And he's lived for God ever since. Come on now, let me tell you, God is able. <clears throat> well, he's able, he's able, I know, he's able. Hey, I know my Lord is able to carry me through. One more time, he's able, he's able, well, I know, 
he's able. Hey, I know my Lord is able to carry me through. the power. 